Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you again for joining me for all your likes, all the new subscribers, all the action on social media. Again, you can find me everywhere at social media at Vice and Easy Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in, for sharing wonderful reviews, what have you. I appreciate it all. Now, let's break down this week's episode. I was initially very excited for this episode. Then I kind of forgot, oh yeah, Miami Vice doesn't always utilize its musician guest stars to the most of their ability, maybe because they can't act. Who knows? Well, let's get into it with Leonard Cohen and this week's episode, Season 2, Episode 17, French Twist. Per IMDb, when a known terrorist comes to Miami, the team tries to find him, and an Interpol operative comes to assist them. Crockett is taken with her, but Tubbs thinks there's something odd about her. The cold open, which I will note is actually quite short for the length of cold opens that we've had recently. So we open on two things going on at once. We have a delivery truck pulling in that has Rapid painted along the side. Maybe that's the name, but it's the digital clock font. You'll know what I mean if you see it in the gallery. And then we also have a very pretty young girl taking pictures of her equally cute skateboarder boyfriend who seems to have a broken arm and a broken leg at the same time. Poor guy. You will notice her from coming to America. And while she's taking pictures, she can also see this delivery going on in the back. The delivery, unfortunately, turns deadly. So whoever is picking up the package is making all these excuses as to why the doctor can't come. He's out golfing. He's the one who's going to sign for it. The delivery operator only knows that he has to get this person's signature he doesn't know what's in it however unfortunately it's too late he gets stabbed and the assailant drives off with the truck not before our girl cindy has taken a photo of it i've got the proof see i told you it was a short cold open and so we transitioned from the intro. We are on the way to Paris, France. Number one, this was not filmed in Paris. We do see a little bribe going on. I do like his assistants. Looks like a robin's egg blue, like their turquoise pumps that she's wearing. Her posture is horrible as she's walking over this dossier to him. Look at me using my high school French. This dossier that is also the same color, the same blue. And who is it but our guy, Leonard Cohen. Now, I really want to look up the estate that this was filmed because it's definitely Miami. And it's beautiful. Beautiful estate that Leonard Cohen is at. And again, they really underutilized him. I have recorded both of his scenes. <laughs> they are very short. And again, I'm not fluent in French despite my high school... <laughs> diploma. I don't even know how they put that on there. I guess because I just completed the courses. I'm like, it doesn't mean that I actually absorbed any information. But there was a mistranslation because they basically they say that she has found Bandy, but he says on and on is kind of like third person general, like on the va, like let's go. Or means like someone, one has. So, but I guess you say I don't know. I should review my French before I go telling the multiple people who worked on this episode that they made a mistake. Here is Leonard Cohen in all his glory. Oui, c'est toi. On a trouvé Bandy aux États-Unis. Oui, il a volé de morphine. J'imagine qu'il va le vendre. 
Il doit être assassiné. Tu vas à Miami maintenant? Oui, Miami. I recorded that with the subtitle. So basically, they have found Bandy in the States. He has stolen the morphine. They assume he imagines that he's going to sell it. Whoever he's talking on the phone is going to go to Miami, kill him. Yes, they're going to Miami. There we go. Thank you very much, Ontario, or I guess to be more specific, the TDSB school board for my fluent French. If I'm chattier than usual, it's because I am hopping up on so many cold medicines to get rid of pink eye, which I came down with on Tuesday. So that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> and I'm just trying to get on my system. I am so tired of this. Let's get back to the episode. So at the hospital, Crockett and Tubbs are notified that the driver has died from his injuries. The doctor does say he was a fighter. Then when they're about to walk to the elevator, they see the newspaper. I took a clip of this newspaper because I love reading fake newspaper stories that like the prop part the props the profs department has to write. Because I think that would be like a really fun assignment, just kind of like write gibberish. But you can't really write gibberish in case, you know. I thought it'd be pure gibberish because of 1985 that they wouldn't have to really, you know, make it coherent. But they actually made it looks like they're talking about an earthquake or a hurricane, but they won't say what it is when they're talking about injuries and um, people who passed away in this accident. So very curious to see where the prop team is going with this. But surprise, surprise, Cindy, the girl who's the only witness to this, her picture is right on page one. Not a great move for this poor girl. Obviously, Crockett and Tubbs are going to do all they can to protect her, but uh-oh. Now we see Cindy. She's at the precinct, and she's going over a book of mug shots. She's tired of looking at it. She makes a quip to Trudy that these, these pictures are going to give her nightmares. Then Castillo gets a little bit more into Bandy's history, who he is, and who wants him. Canada had him, but they couldn't hold on. They want him back, alive. He's a material witness in a capital case. The man is a professional, proficient with all weapons, extortion, bombing hits. He'll do anything for money. We're gonna have to watch our witness. Set her up someplace safe. Interpol wants Bandy, they're sending someone to work with us. Inspector Daniel Heyer. Cut to the hotel where Crockett is awaiting Daniel's arrival as he's sitting there reading the newspaper. Daniel looks a little bit different than he would have expected in this next clip. Hello, I'm Sonny Crockett. How nice for you. <laughs> Detective Sonny Crockett. Look at that sparkling, warm French personality. The one thing about this episode is if all these people are French and it's in the 80s, none of them are smoking a cigarette. Now, I'm aware that Crockett smoked his last cigarette a few episodes ago, but did the network just kind of put a moratorium on smoking on primetime? Because I know now having a cigarette or smoking on screen could get you an R rating or I guess um, like... 18 plus. Sorry, those were our ratings growing up in Canada. We had 14 plus and 18 plus, I guess, PG, PG 13, and I guess um, MA. So those would be the qualifiers here in the States. But I know that was like 
or early 2000s, mid 2000s that they really put those censorship rules into place. So I don't know about the 80s, but I was like, I expected a lot more smoking in this episode with all these French people and all these French accents. But I digress. So while Crockett and Danielle are getting to know each other, Cindy, our witness, and Tubbs are playing poker, betting matches in this very minimally decorated but kind of cute safe house. And I say cute because I noticed the silk pink and blue cushions. And there's some really great aerial shots. I really like whoever directed this episode, or I guess the cinematographer, because they did the best with what they could. And there's some really cool action shots and just some really cool decor shots in the episode. Also, I'll talk about this a little bit later. Whoever was the location scout for this episode... A plus when we get to what I'm talking about. If you've watched this episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the elevator of my dreams. Let's digress a little bit. Also, what I love about Cindy is that she's just such a happy-go-lucky teenage girl. And I love it. And they don't try to make her anything else. And this is exactly how I would have acted if I were 17, 8-year-old, 18-year-old witness who need to be locked down. And it's just adorable. Now, when Crockett brings Danielle to the safe house to introduce her to Tubbs, Tubbs, you know, a little bit surprised that Danielle is a woman. But Cindy tries to foreshadow something in this next clip. Smile. Souvenir for the happy couple. <laughs> mm, we'll see. Now, again, Cindy is also very much me as a teenage girl at this point because Danielle's like, you have to tell me everything you know, everything you saw. And she's like, oh, whatever. I already told Crockett and Tubbs. I don't want to do it again. Like, yes, exactly. Like, why do I need to tell you all of this if it's already gone through the proper channels? Like, she's already stuck in a house. She can't do her fun teenage things. You know, she has stuff that she wants to go do. She has a beautiful boyfriend that she can't see. So... I do like that she just kind of brushes her off. Now, Cindy is on the phone talking to one of her friends. She's talking on the phone from the Phil the Shill episode, that pink one that you can just kind of hang up flat, like it's curved in the middle. And I love this because it's exactly what I would have done at 17 years old. I'm not introducing you to them, Carol. They're too old and you're too young. No, I don't think Sonny or Rigo are going to take you to the prom. Carol, shut up for a second. I'm gonna need your help. Uh, yeah, so I don't know about you, but I do not keep in touch with the person I went to problem with. It was not a friend. It was kind of a rebound situation. And so I don't have like those lovely pictures or memories. I didn't really have a lot of my friends in my graduating class. Most of my friends were older. So it wasn't like a great, night for me where I'm going to like the last time I'm going to see all my friends I have like five friends maybe in my graduating class so I basically went because I already had this really beautiful dress (laughs) that I bought in Las Vegas and brought back to Toronto so nothing was going to stop me from wearing that dress that's basically the only reason I went to prom because I did look beautiful and but it's just yeah I just don't have those memories but like oh my god imagine if I went with someone who looked like Don Johnson (laughs) Or Philip Michael Thomas, who I would have like had that picture everywhere. That would have just been like pictures of my car, pictures at work, just to this day, to this day in my mid thirties, just here's me at prom with Don Johns. Imagine, <laughs> just imagine. I don't even think, I think they have an age limit now. Like you can't invite guys that are like older than 20 to your prom, which fair, fair, because <laughs> you should <laughs> 
But yes, that would have been the hypothetical dream to go to the prom with Don Johnson or Philip Michael Thomas or both. Oh, but aside from that, Cindy is complaining and basically comparing her and her boyfriend to Romeo and Juliet because they're separated. Tubbs opens up her camera and takes her film. Very interesting, I think, because he wants to get a little bit more intel on Daniel and Danielle. And basically... Her plan is to sneak out of the safe house, go to the hospital, and hang out with her boyfriend. Because, duh, she's 17. I totally get that. Maybe she's 18, but I would totally do the same thing at that age. And I love her friend's car because it's a convertible with these big fuzzy dice. I used to have fuzzy dice in my car. I had them for years. However, I was told that uh, you can't get ticketed for that because it's like a it impairs your line of vision. But... I do miss my fuzzy dice a lot. I had different kinds of fuzzy dice. Now I have very tiny little bejeweled dice that are not impeding my sight at all. And while Cindy is sneaking out to the hospital, Tubbs realizes that he's fallen asleep. Here's the car in the driveway, wakes up, gets Switek, goes to the hospital, grabs Cindy. He is not happy at all. Basically grabs her and yanks her out of the room and basically tells her we are going to go straight from the exit to the van in one straight line. However, Cindy being Cindy, when they're walking to the van, Bandy is already on the roof with a sniper. Cindy is like, bye, David. She's like waving her arm. She's making it very obvious. I'm like, I get it. But uh, she ends up getting shot in the arm. So unfortunately, that doesn't really look great for Tubbs, even though he did the best he could. Teenage girls will be teenage girls. Now at the precinct, Danielle is also not really impressed with Tubbs so far. Crockett, always going to defend his partner. And he's going to be okay. Not if your partner continues to guard her. You got something to say about my partner. Don't. The girl is a wild card. Alors, she is also a connection to Bundy. He must do whatever we can to keep her alive. Oh, major plot point I totally forgot to tell you about. So the reason that Bandy knew that Cindy was coming to the hospital was because he had snuck in as a serviceman and tapped his phone line. So Bandy is clearly as skilled as they say, and that he is proficient, he knows what he wants, and he is highly skilled and highly trained. Now we're going to change locations to one of my favorite sets, not even sets, one of my favorite locations of Miami Vice ever, ever, ever. If anybody has been to this hotel recently, please let me know how it looks on the inside. I was trying to get pictures from the website, trying to get pictures from Google, And I could only really get pictures of the room in the outside, but it's the Mayfair Hotel and Garden. And this is where Sunny is walking Danielle back to her hotel room. And the decor is out of this world. It looks so beautiful. It's so cool because basically the hotel, all the rooms, the doors face the courtyard. And it's just like super lush, super green. The doors are really ornately carved. There's a giant, not really a doorknob, but like a knocker on the door. And I think they're setting this up for sexual tension, but this whole conversation just like made me roll my eyes. Next clip. And Bandy, who knows? We could get lucky. What does luck have to do with it? What the hell's your problem, lady? Bandy is my problem. 
Now, well, you can use some charm lessons. And are you going to give them to me? <laughs> Not appealing at all. I don't see it at all. And also, the accent is so thick. And I get that you can be fluent in a language and still have a really thick accent. But then she like pop in French words here and there. And this this actress is great. She's clearly not French at all. Leonard Cohen actually grew up in Montreal, so he is bilingual, even though he's Anglo. So it is kind of funny to like see that dichotomy, whereas like she's just like so en français and so thick and he just sounds much more fluid and much more natural. Now they go a little bit back and forth. Basically, he's saying like, well, here in America, I don't know how you do things in France, but like we like to work as a team. Basically accusing her of not being a team player, being a little bit selfish, going after Bandy for her own reasons. Wink, wink, hint, hint. And he drops her off at the room. I guess they're trying to set this up for sexual tension, but I don't really see it. However, as Crockett is dropping her off, we hear the phone ring. He hears the phone ring as well. He doesn't really think anything of it. And as he walks off after having dropped her off at her hotel room, she doesn't open the door. She kind of waits, waits, waits for Crock to leave. Then she goes in. Then we hear again from Mr. Lena Cohen, a.k.a. Zolan. Hello? Oui, Daniel. Ça va, Daniel? Oui, ça va bien. Okay, again, not fluent in French at all, but obviously I was reading the subtitles and he's like, hey, how are you, Danielle? You have not completed the wet work. I was like, what is wet work? But in French, it's like he says contrat or like contract, like basically hit and it turns out that wet work is a euphemism for assassination which i did not know kind of makes work because it is gross wet work and that is the end of leonard cohen thank you for being with us this episode (laughs) for someone who has such an important place in canadian culture and just around the world you had three lines in Miami Vice but it's very cute apparently he did it because his son was a big fan he wanted to surprise him so I do think it's cute it's a cute reason now there was a tip I'm saying this in quotation marks to myself in the mirror in my vanity as I'm recording this that Bandy is at the Blue Waters Hotel semi-abandoned hotel when we saw it in the maze it was completely abandoned but in this episode there are people living there Danielle doesn't agree that it's a good idea. She thinks that it's a trap. However, the Vice Squad is going to go in and check this out. Castillo is pretty determined, whereas Danielle is saying, no, it's a trap. So, again, kind of laying this out into, like, what really is she coming to? But if she doesn't want to hurt Vice, where does she stand? Who is she? Tubbs is doing a little bit more research into her. So, it turns out it is a setup before they actually hit get too far into the room the oh my god the booby trap goes off Crockett discovers it tells him it's a setup everybody jumps out of the way luckily nobody is hurt and the room blows up however you hear crying babies and you a guy comes out of his room to check what's going on whereas was in this hotel completely abandoned a few episodes ago and that was the whole point is that it was full of squatters but I digress I don't think they actually named the hotel 
properly. I think they just said it was a building. I don't think they actually said it was the Blue Waters Hotel. So I guess I'm the one who's not paying attention to continuity. So that's me. Totally skipped ahead on my notes here. Sorry, I will also include there is a scene where Tubbs comes to visit Crockett, let him know that he's already been tapping Danielle's phone. And because he knows of Zoland, who's also listed as being part of Interpol, her story does kind of check out. But Crockett knows that Tubbs has his best interests at heart, and Tubbs is obviously going to get to the root of the matter. Then we are cutting back to, again, my favorite location, possibly my advice ever up until this point, the Mayfair Hotel and Garden. I have included, and it's going to be all over my social media, I have included a gif of the elevator coming down. Let me try to set this scene for you. You have bronze detailing on the staircase. Then you have rose gold bronze floors of the elevator. It's all glass. And then at the bottom of the elevator car are little triangles that are illuminated. Oh, my God. And then the whole hotel, she's in the courtyard. Danielle's in the courtyard talking to two guys. And you just see this, like, beautiful, lush greenery everywhere at this dinner party that she's attending. She's talking to two guys. And Crockett, basically, without a word, yanks her to talk with her upstairs. Let's all guess what's going to happen in this next clip. You haven't been telling me everything you know, have you? No game, straight talk. What the hell's going on? You knew what was coming down, didn't you? An educated guess, Crockett. I tried to warn you. Well, you could have damn well been a little more emphatic. And you could have listened a little bit better. Oh, surprise, surprise. Sexual tension's in the air as Crockett about to have relations with a woman who does not have his best interest at heart. Also, where does Crockett... I, I really want to know the inner workings the psychology in Crockett. Like, why is he attracted to these women that are kind of, like, boorish and rude to him and put his life in danger? Like, how do you go from Caroline to the woman in, I even forgot her name, uh, Margaret? And I, I just don't get it. Like, he fumbled the bag on that one. Caroline is the best he's going to do. I know people are, like, all about standing him for Gina, but because I've been Gina, I am, there's no way I'm supporting that relationship. <laughs> Because I've been there. When you're a placeholder, it sucks. And nobody should be a placeholder. You should be wanted and loved by everybody in your life. Sorry, as I digress, let's let's get into a very cheesy 80s primetime sex scene. Maybe I'm not used to working as a team. Maybe you're not a team player. Surprise, surprise. Now, I took a pretty good gif. I have a couple more. Maybe I'll, like, intersplice them into my social media. Uh, Yeah, it's a very cheesy sequence. Not as cheesy as the ones that Tubbs has had with Vanessa and with um, Angelina. Those are top tier. I think Tubbs gets definitely the cheesier edit. But uh, this one's pretty cheesy. Also, I love her vanity. When she wakes up, she's in this multicolored silk robe. And it's like a black vanity with only three lights on the left-hand side. And while they're having a little post-coital talk, Tubbs calls. 
not much information, just basically that he's been tapping her phone. She's talking to Zolan, who also was listed as working for Interpol, yada, yada. Crockett just drops the phone out of his hand. He doesn't hang it up. <laughs> and then she asks about tubs in a not-so-sincere way. How is your friend Tubbs? Tubbs is great. And she says friend. Tubbs is more than a friend. Tubbs is a very loyal partner. Tubbs is not just a friend. However, Tubbs is one of the best friends you could ever have. However, Tubbs Tubbs and I have a lot in common because I would also do this. And I'm very good at basically creeping or stalking people on social media, as one might say. But I wish... Oh, my God. I'm thinking back. And again, I was just like really young and naive because like, you know, when your girlfriends would tell you these stories of guys. And I remember this one story where basically someone I knew got a I'm coming to you as a woman message outlining that he had been cheating on her the whole time. Then I found someone's boyfriend on tinder screenshot it sent it more footage was found with her best friend and they double down both either and both have children with those men and so i totally sympathize with tubs because it's something i would do but then it's like yeah like what do you do in that situation when it's like cool the person you knew and that you were digging up all this dirt on is now bonded to your friend for life. So, wild. But to all the loyal boyfriends and all the lovely partners of my friends, I'm very thankful because it is not great when it's on the other side. Now, Tubbs goes to Trudy. So Trudy had sent the photo of Danielle to police agencies, law enforcement agencies, what have you. But Tubbs has an idea to look her up as a criminal. Let's see what happens with that. I realize I've just been going through the plot the whole time that I haven't even talked about the outfit. So make sure you go check out the gallery because I'm clearly not looking along at the gallery while I'm doing all this because the last week it wasn't working. But this week it is working perfectly because now we're getting a little bit juicy. So remember those two guys that Danielle was talking to before Crocky yanked her away at the party? So Danielle goes to Castillo's office and she mentions her tip on the two buyers, the two guys that she was with, where she says that they're from her office in France. And he tells her to tell them about the tip before acting on it next time. Wink, wink. Now they're working with a guy, the buyer, and he's going to be on the phone talking to Bandy through a recorded line. So Bandy's going to call this recorded line at the precinct. And while they're talking on the phone... I must also notice that he is actually smoking inside because he's got a pack of open cigarettes, a soft pack, a lighter, a phone, and a giant recorder next to it. And I love it. It's so 80s. I really wanted to make the cover, but I was like, it doesn't really have anything to do with the plot. And it's like not as haha funny as I might think it is. But so at the same time that he's talking to Bandy, Tubbs has already gone to the hotel that Bandy's at. Asked the valet guy to make sure that his car is taken care of. And apparently asked the valet guy for a little bit of intel around Bandy. The valet guy, however, is loyal to Bandy. Goes up to Bandy's room, knocks on the phone while he's on the call with this buyer. 
The valet says, hey, you told me to tell you if anyone was looking around for you. We have this guy who's looking around for you. Bandy gets nervous. Please remember that the phone is off the hook, so everything is recording. Bandy stabs the valet, takes the valet's clothes, and puts the valet's naked body in his bed. So by the time that Tubbs goes up to the room, Tubbs pulls the gun on, unfortunately, the dead valet kid lying in the bed, and that's when he hears Crockett on the phone and picks it up. So after that scene, Crockett and Tubbs meet in the bathroom of what I'm assuming is OCB. Tubbs has some more news for Crockett. You got a tip? Guess where? Danielle got a call from her boss, Manzola. He told her where he thought Bandy might be. Hotel and room number. It's your call, man. So now we have a conflicted Crockett. Uh, looking incredibly handsome, by the way. He's in like a very light peach Unbutton Henley, as always. Short sleeve, as always. With his double holster, as always. Um, there's also a great picture. Castillo, I didn't take a picture, but he was earlier wearing a, a skinny silver tie. Now just back to a regular skinny black tie. So Croc is a little bit frustrated. He has gone fishing on his boat. Danielle comes to visit Croc on the boat. Again, who is styling this woman? Because... She's actually, like, very pretty, and she has a great figure, and I they're in, putting her in a lace purple top lilac shawl and bright royal purple pants. I, I have... I, I can't. It's not that complicated, Crockett. You knew where he was, and you didn't talk to us. And you didn't we talk to us. There's a difference. Besides, we had already agreed on a plan of action. We were letting Bandy come to us. This was your idea. Zolan did not tell me to go to the hotel to get Bandy. You did it. You almost got blown up. I didn't want you to get blown up, Cockett. I'm touched. <laughs> I didn't want you to get blown up, Crockett. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, like those unintentionally great lines? Those are the best. So, oh my god. So, after they have that talk on the boat, he's still kind of feeling a little bit conflicted. He is drinking a beer, not straight whiskey for once, which is a little bit interesting. Then, Danielle is having a bubble bath in an insanely decorated. Because, no, I know it's not. It's, like, just how the hotel built this bathroom. So, we have black tile, raised bathtub, huge soaker tub... And then you have this giant mask on the wall, and then it's like a sliding glass door, but that's opaque or translucent, so you can't really see through it. Wild. It's a great scene, however. I think I made a gif, or definitely took a picture. So she's listening to Who's Zooming Who for like five seconds before Tubbs comes into the bathroom and to confront her in this next scene. hoping you would be someone else your partner (laughs) wow i don't know if i was confronted in a bathtub i would be a little bit more on edge because you're so vulnerable i don't know but 
I just thought that was really funny. And Tubbs, again, is looking out for Crockett in his best interest, and he's not having this anymore. Basically, he tells her that he knows what's really up with her, he knows her true identity, and tells her to get lost or that he'll leak it all to the press and blow her cover slash covers. Wink, wink. But again, please go to the gallery and look at the decor for this scene. It is wild. Then we go back to the precinct, because remember that call? That that morphine dealer that was making that deal with Bandy, and then Bandy's call kind of got interrupted by the valet he ended up killing? Well, Bandy actually calls back. He calls back the recorded line, sets up time and place for the meet. Now, this is when Tubbs lets Crockett know what's really going on with Danielle. Tubbs delivers the news to Crockett. Crockett is actually looking quite colorful. He is in kind of like a light, very soft yellow, thin-knit blazer, peach or coral-colored pants, and a striped, I want to say it's just like a regular cotton and see-through, so it kind of looks like it's gray, but I think it's see-through, striped shirt when he gets the bad news. She's wanted? Terrorist. Remember the Greenpeace boat that got blown up in the New Zealand harbor last year? Yeah, Greenpeace wanted to stop French nuclear testing. Yeah. Somebody stopped Greenpeace real quick. One guy died in the explosion. Those two guys right there have been made for French spooks. Deuxième bureau. I figured Danielle was the same. Interesting. So Interpol is just her cover. Well, speaking of that deal, that deal's still going to go down. So we have the guy. He's actually quite handsome. And he's dressed in, like, really nice pastel colors. Like, he looks very cute for this deal. Don't know who's trying to impress. Um, We have the whole Vice Squad kind of going undercover, acting as lookouts. So we have Zito fishing, Gina as a bag lady with a very cute dog. And then we have Crockett in the colorful getup I just previously described. But he's hiding behind a pole. And... And so as the deal goes down between Bandy and our alleged morphine dealer, because who really knows what's truthful in Danielle's world? Bandy tries to flip the script. He pulls out a gun. Then at that time, Crockett comes to the rescue, pushes him out of the way as Bandy opens fire on Crockett and the morphine dealer and gets away. Now, we actually have kind of like a fun action scene where Bandy runs over a drawbridge, is able to hop over to the other side. So is Tubbs. Crockett, however, is a little bit behind them. So there's a great cut of him climbing up the underside of this drawbridge. Or not the underside, but like the top of the drawbridge, basically before it's becoming completely vertical. So I really got to give him credit because he's there to look out for tubs because there's no backup on the other side of that bridge. However, it's too late by the time that Tubbs is there. Danielle has already shot Bandy. Why'd you kill him? He had a big mouth. He did some work for us a few years ago. Ah, interesting. Now, she knows that Tubbs knows who she really is, so she has nothing to hide. But do we really think that things are just going to wrap up that neatly in Mummy Vice? Of course not. You have a big mouth, Tubbs. You told me so yourself. 
I'm going to leave this gun in Bandy's hand with one less bullet. I've got to get away clean. Oh no, quel surprise! Well, she, of course she was going to kill Tubbs this whole time. He's the only one that would not let up and that would not buy her cover. Luckily, like I said, Crocker was climbing up the bridge. He makes it just in time. His arms and his head pop up. And luckily he shoots Danielle before she can shoot Tubbs. End of episode. I do like that at the end of this episode, it is solidified that Crocker and Tubbs will always have each other's backs. It's a classier way of saying bros before hosts. <laughs> and let's break down the episode. All right. Now, in this episode, unlucky in love, but lucky in fashion, Mr. James Sonny Crockett wins. I really like the sky blue blazer with, it appears to be a crew neck shirt with the collar cut off, and it seems to possibly be like a very, very, very light lilac or lavender color. He just looks amazing in it, as always. And the best dressed woman. Again, we don't really see a lot of Trudy in this episode. We only see Gina undercover as the bag lady. French lady, I do not know who is styling her. But I guess, you know what, they're like, you know what, if she's playing a terrorist in this episode, she's not going to get styled to the nines. My vote's going to go for Cindy, because I really like that tube top with the pink belt and the white pants when she sneaks off to see her boyfriend in the hospital. Just very cute, very youthful. It doesn't... It really fits in with who she is as a person. And I thought she just looked adorable. Worst dress. I do not think I mentioned this episode, this outfit while I was talking about the episode. <laughs> it's so bad. And I'm trying to figure out what it is. So Danielle is wearing a boat neck, blue and white striped three quarter length sleeve shirt with shoulder pads that's totally fine that's very apropos of the decade but what she is wearing over top is a very sheer fabric bib it kind of has the same texture it appears to the same texture as a toilet seat cover i have no idea what's going on here and i get that it's miami so why would you have an extra layer that doesn't provide you i don't know like, I get it that, you know, if she wants layers so she can take it off in case it gets hot. But there's, there, there's no, I, I have no idea what this outfit is. <laughs> and again, they did not style her well. I get that that's the whole point. The nicest look she had was the pink dress that's cinched in the waist when she's talking to Crockett in the hallway. And I get that she wasn't supposed to be an appealing character. She's only appealing to Crockett. And I don't know how someone that handsome makes such poor decisions, but James Sonny Crockett, just like us, <laughs> right? I, too, also make dumb decisions at my own behest. Now, best decor. Naturally, 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 I'm going to give it to the hammock or a hammock at the Mayfair Hotel and Garden. I cannot get over that elevator. I cannot get over all the lush greenery and the lights at this party before before Crockett yanks Danielle away and then that is also tied with the bathroom because this shot I have you have purple walls you have the sliding door that are a little bit translucent that are painted then you have this mask in the middle with dark red lipstick and then you have the black tile with the checkered tile on the floor it is just amazing amazing and now let's do music. Music is very easy this episode because basically there we got some Jan Hammer, most notably Candy, my favorite. And then Who's Zooming Who by Ruth Franklin for maybe four seconds before Danielle turns it off. 
in the bathtub. But I'm going to give it to Candy because that song just really reminds me of Candy and her persona. And I really like that she and Cindy are just gregarious, happy-go-lucky. Well, not always happy-go-lucky, but they just have like such warm, welcoming, fun personalities that you really want to see more of them. Like, I wish we'd gotten more of Cindy in this episode. Now, I'm not going to call this Vice Tea because... I don't really have a lot of iced tea on any of the guest stars. I thought there'd be more on Leonard Cohen, but again, he's very much a Canadian icon. In Montreal, there is a building with a giant mural with him. So when I went last year in 2022, and I believe he passed away in 2016, so it's been quite a few years since his passing. And he's just a very important figure in Canadian history, Canadian music. And it's funny. So I remember I was watching The O.C. This was years ago. And Hallelujah, and I believe it's his, maybe it's Jeff Buckley's, let me look this up before, I'm going to say it's Jeff Buckley's because it's the OC, but I remember there's this kind of montage at the end of, I want to say it's the end of season one where they play Hallelujah, I was howling of laughter, but like it, when you're a teenager, that's how everything feels, everything feels so strong, and it's funny, I'm not the biggest fan of Hallelujah, now before you all come after me, Love my CanCon. I'm very much a supporter of CanCon. But you know when someone specific ruins a song for you? Yeah. So someone specific had ruined that song for me. Not like playing it like a love letter to me, but basically um, I basically had to hear this when I would see this person perform and multiple times. And again, great voice, what have you. It wasn't that. It was just, you know, a little repetitive. So I guess my favorite song of Leonard Cohen's would be Everybody Knows, which is also somewhat ruined for me because there's this Canadian movie called Exotica. It is not a fun exotic thriller at all. It is an incredibly crushing <laughs> picture of despair and betrayal. And there's a girl at the at the club who dances to Everybody Knows by Leonard Cohen. And that is also in the context of this film incredibly heartbreaking but it's a very catchy song and I remember one of the DJs at work recently played I was like whoa what like just kind of like pulled out of nowhere and I was very impressed because it actually felt like it, it flowed with his entire set but again Leonard Cohen actually if you're living in Toronto or in the, uh, the GTA he has an exhibit on or sorry the late Leonard Cohen, there was an exhibit of the late Leonard Cohen's artwork and there was recently a book released of more of his poetry and his lyrics and his journal entries. So definitely if you're in the Toronto region or um, anyone can pick up this book and learn a little bit more about Leonard Cohen. Aside from that, other guest stars, we have Sherry uh, Headley. She was in Coming to America and again, she's just as cute and charming in Coming to America as well. And then it is Lisa. What is her name? It is Lisa. Oh my god, I just had it open. Lisa Eckhorn. Of course, she is not French, like I said, but she's actually a very talented actress. She studied at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in the UK. She actually briefly studied at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. My mother's alma mater, so quite a bright girl and very talented, did a lot of theater and stage work as well, but she did do a lot of TV just to kind of supplement her income while she was raising her daughter in Los Angeles, which I thought was cool as I found in my studies. And then the boyfriend, the one uh, healing up at the hospital, Cameron Arnett, all of his credits, and I'm not trying, 
let me say this the most polite way I can. I have a feeling they're Christian movies or they're Hallmark movies because he has a lot of credits on his IMDb, but I do not recognize a single title in there. But hey, man's go to work, man's go to work. Respect. And as we wrap up this episode of Vice and Easy, breaking down season two, episode 18, French Twist, I want to thank you all for listening, for subscribing, for liking, for telling your friends, for telling people that aren't even your friends yet. Um, it all really makes it worthwhile. And fortunately, because Miami Vice is not streaming currently in any country in the world that I can find, um, we really want to keep the memory of this show alive and means a lot. So thank you as for subscribing, for liking, for following me on everything Vice and Easy. You can catch my podcast wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you like. Now let's end this episode with my favorite quote of the episode, and I'll see you next week. I didn't want you to get blown up, Cockett. I'm touched. <laughs> oh man. And as always. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.